fantasy player option 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 ladies and gentlemen let's get ready to rumble what up and welcome in in the place to be just snagged a touchdown from the mvp whether home league or standard or ppr we'll give you insights to take you real far but we live to have fun and we do it for the game it's that ground and pound look as we move the chains bringing hype or the ha-has when you're on the go tune in and grab a seat because it's the fpo Welcome into the FPO podcast. That's fantasy player option. You have myself at Kane Rob as well as Sam Durrell Bajou and Tanner Larson. Tell them your Twitter handles real quick before we get back into the actual reason we're here. I'm Tanner. My Twitter handle is Tanner Larson11. And my Twitter handle is SamDB underscore. So we're a bunch of Minnesotans. We did this for fun like two years ago now. We did five episodes of a whole uh, FPO podcast and it was a blast for us. I don't think we had a ton of listens, but now we've been going for two years in Dynasty. We've been, you know, deciding it's time to get back into this. And if no one listens, that's fine. And if they do, good for you. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be good information for you. And we're going to kick it off right away with this weekend's games we're heading into the divisional round of the 2020 playoffs and we want to help make you some money before we talk into some 2021 prospects as well but let's talk some money guys because i'm trying to make that cash this weekend show me the money i need to feel you jerry show me the money jerry you better yell show me the money So what are your favorite games? What are your main focuses? And when we're talking about making money, we're talking about DFS, of course, right? So what are the things you focus on in DFS? Yeah, so I think, especially when we're talking about DFS, there's two two ways you can look at it. Typically, there's either cash games or there's tournaments. And I think today we're going to be talking mostly about tournament lineups and essentially the difference is usually cash games are head-to-head or double up. So it's a lot lo- lower risk, but a lot uh, lower reward, I suppose. And so that I think we're going to be talking about some tournaments, like the Million Maker is a very popular one, because obviously, who doesn't want to win a million dollars? Tan, you got anything specific that you like to focus on when it comes to DFS? So if we're talking strategy now, yeah, you definitely want to cater your strategy towards what type of game you're playing. So if you're paying if you're playing a big payout like the Millie Maker, you want to go for boom, right? It's boom or bust. And there's gonna be weeks where you're submitting lineups to the Millie Maker. Mm-hmm. And that lineup might end up in the bottom 10% and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're doing DFS wrong. That 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 also doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it right either if you're ending up in the top yeah. in the bottom 10%. <laughs> but understand that if you're going for those big pots you don't want to be trying to play it safe as far as like, oh, I really feel like this guy's going to get 10 mm-hmm. points and this guy's going to get 15. You want to try to find the guys that are going to get 30 points or 40 points. Like that's yeah. what you're going for, for the big pots. And if you're playing those more 50-50 pots, uh, then you definitely want to cater more towards that. Okay, I really feel like this guy's a lock for 15 to 18 points this week. Yeah. So that's the first thing that you want to be considering as far as strategy goes with DFS. Yeah, and I think in tournaments, the cool part about tournaments is that in DFS, 
it's you know this is a gambling game right you know there's there's very there's a very high risk that you know you're, you're not going to make money but the cool part about dfs is that there is a formula and there are trends that tend to lead to, for you to people winning money and one of the biggest ways to do that is through uh, correlating stacks within games so for example last week the Millie Maker winner for the Sunday games was a Ben Roethlisberger stack because, well, he threw for 500 yards, which is unbelievable. <laughs> but it was also kind of interesting, though, because typically what we see in the Millie Makers um, during the regular season is you stack a quarterback in one game, you run it, you run it with two of his his wide receivers and then you run it back with the wide receiver from the other team but this week it was literally ben roethlisberger uh deontay johnson juju smith schuster chase claypool and eric ebron were all five in the million maker which is one of the probably one of the most unlikely things that like you know you would probably see in any sort of dfs tournament but that's kind of what happens when you're when you have such little there's not that many games going on this weekend and so we're going to see a lot of those really high correlation stacks winning because you need to hit the game that has the highest point total. And I know that Kanan, when we were talking before, you had mentioned that you uh, had grabbed those numbers. Do you want to possibly list those off for us? Yeah. So uh, what I got was the individual teams implied totals. So it looks like Mm -hmm. the Chiefs implied total is 33.74 points. The Saints are next up with 27.5 the Packers and Bills both at 26.25, Bucks at 24.5, Ravens at 23.75, Browns at 23.25, and then the Rams are the lowest predicted scoring with 19.25. Wait, so did you say the Saints were second highest? Yep, they're on here at 27.25. I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that at all. You know, I understand that the Saints are at home. And, you know, in the past, we've seen them basically be able to do whatever they want on offense at home. But, like, this is is a different team, you know. know, We're Mm -hmm. we're seeing Drew Brees kind of around the corner at the end of his career. And I just, you know, you just don't see those explosive plays anymore. So that is very surprising to me. Personally, my favorite game this week to stack is going to be the KC Cleveland game. And I don't really think other than, I don't know, I'm stacking that game. I'm also going to stack the Buffalo Baltimore game. But outside of that, I really don't want anything to do with the Rams uh, Packers game or Tampa Bay or New Orleans. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in here and uh, just say a couple of things on that. So unpacking some of the things that Sam talked about. So talking about those stacks, first of all, I think when 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 you said that it's highly unlikely that something like that happens in a normal week, yes. But let's clarify what you said (laughs) with when there's only eight games happening or four games happening, depending on what type of tournament you're playing in. It's not that unlikely, actually, especially yeah. when you have a team just completely go off offensively mm-hmm. like Pittsburgh did. So there's that. And I'll agree with you completely on games that I'm stacking this week. I'm looking at Cleveland and KC. Mm-hmm. I think that KC is going to score a bunch of points. And I also think that the Browns have have an opportunity to score some points on Maybe at this point, the weakest defense still left in the playoffs. You, well, probably the Bills, actually. But still, I think that KC has <laughs> some holes in its defense. Yeah, And I think the Browns have an opportunity to score some points because Baker's been hot 
and you obviously have those deadly running backs. And I love the Buffalo-Baltimore game as well as a stack. And I'm going to talk just a little bit about that right now. So I've been seeing some some mumblings on Twitter, some some rumors about like, oh, it's going to snow and Lamar Jackson's never played in the snow before. So let's just address that right away because I think that's a hot topic right now. And the first thing that I'll say is snow affects offensive output a lot less than people think, especially quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I, man, did a- I, think, I think you can look back at the Packers. Who did the Packers play in the snow? The Tennessee Titans. Yeah, dude. Dude, it, it literally did not even slow that offense down. Like, and that's not a one-time thing. That's a trend. Right. I, yeah. I, uh, I took a look at an article by a guy. I'll have to find this again so I can give some credit. But – he took a look at the last 40 years, how weather affects quarterback play. And what he found that with snow, what happened was essentially it was statistically non-important. He could not find a significant statistical mm. difference between snowy games and normal weather games. Right. So that was really interesting. The one thing that you do really want to look for, though, concerning weather is wind. There is definitely yeah. a statistical difference when a game is windy and when it's not. So that's the big one to look for. Don't be afraid of the snow this week. I know Lamar Jackson's never played in the snow, so maybe there's a little bit of a concern there. But don't overthink that. Baltimore and Buffalo still have high-octane offenses, and they will likely score a bunch of points. Also, in the in the Ravens' favor, too, I mean, I feel like having snow would only, if it did affect in any manner whatsoever, it would lean towards the run game maybe especially with wind i know you lean towards the run game so i mean if anything that would make me more intrigued with the ravens because that's what they like to do that's what they're trying to do every game game in and game out so i guess for sure that would be a big reason to play that game like you guys are saying but with that you've kind of said the games that you are going to be playing in mainly or mainly stacking with but what are some players that you're trying to maybe avoid that you think a lot of other people in the DFS space are going to be playing? So that way you're not sharing that high percentage that you also don't think is going to produce as many points. Right. Yeah. So first thing I'm going to say about that um, is never avoid a player just because you think other people are going to play them. Okay. There's so much variance in what can happen with the DFS lineup. And hey, at the end of the day, if you think you have the right lineup, and you have to end up splitting that million-dollar pot with five other people. Who cares? It's still the best lineup. It's still the best you could have done. So right. never avoid a player just because you think he's a hot pick. So there's the preface for that. But, Sam, you can go ahead now. Uh, I might get some slack for this, but I think Devonta Adams, and rightfully so, will be played in a high number of lineups this week. But I do think that this this Rams defense overall, like the overall output from the Packers offense is going to be limited. And Devonte Adams is just so expensive this week. That so expensive. There's, there's many, there's many options outside of Devonte Adams that give a similar upside, like Stefan Diggs or Michael Thomas or Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, you know, players like that. And I'm not saying you completely, completely fade Devonte Adams. It's just hard because there's a lot of expensive players this week and I think it's going to be very important that the salary saver uh, players that you pick are going to be extra vital just because there's there's just so many different ways you can go. I mean, my guys this week that I'm doing, that I'm kind of using for salary savers, 
Uh, tight end, I love Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, and I'm probably going to lock in Austin Hooper for most of my lineups. Um, not because I'm fading Kelsey, but just because he's only 3,800, and he's hit, I think, I think 12 or 13 fantasy points on DFS for like five straight weeks, which is pretty, it's pretty tough for a tight end to get there normally. So he's like one of the cheapest tight ends out there. Um, some other guys I'm looking at is Deontay Harris had seven or eight targets last week. John Brown burnt me last week, but I think I'm going to go back in on him. Just not quite as, um, quite as much as I did last week, but I still think he provides a lot of, up, a lot of upside. Marquise Brown has been great, and he's only 5,200 this week. Kareem Hunt, I think, is an interesting one, especially if the Chiefs get up early and Cam Akers is the obvious lock of the week for me. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of those uh, bargains to steal, especially Cam Akers. I'm running Cam Akers in every single lineup this week because he is... Uh, I, I don't get the price this week. I really don't. He has been doesn't make sense. a carry monster lately. I mean, just looking at these attempts, 28 attempts, 21 attempts. He was out for a game. 15, 29, 21 attempts. Are you kidding me? The yeah. dude is just getting the ball constantly. And to be honest, I think that most of the output in that game is going to come from the ground. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the way that that game is going to shake out. The defenses are both killer in the secondary the rams and and green bay so i think it's gonna be a lot of ground and pound and cam Akers, i think is just an absolute steal at five thousand seven hundred. Mm-hmm. so well, so I my think, question for you do you ahead. think that he's the best bargain that you've seen out there or do you think that there's other guys that are even more of a steal than cam Akers, or is he's that number one bargain you're seeing across the dfs platforms he is for sure the must play this week when it, especially when it comes to a bargain and my i wrote also i also wrote down austin hooper just because uh like i said it's gonna be important that you have to save some money somewhere to pay up for guys like Devonte adams for alvin Kamara if you want to play him and i guess going speaking on that i don't know where you're at tanner but i don't feel great about this saints bucks game and the only way I see solid points coming out of this game is going to be through the air. And I just, just because they have the number one and number two ranked rush defenses. And I don't know, man, I think it's going to be low scoring and the rush defenses are good. So I just, I don't really like anyone in this game. Is Maybe Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the, the, the other guy that I was thinking as far as a bargain goes is probably Michael Thomas on yeah. uh, just because he is only 6,700 and he has the ability to catch 15 balls in a game for 170 yards. So I think he is definitely something to look at in the Tampa Bay New Orleans game. But aside from that, I, I honestly think that uh, the New Orleans offense could be a little stagnant. And I totally agree. I think that staying away from running backs in this game is probably a good thing, especially mm-hmm. on the on the Tampa Bay side. Leonard Fournette is not an elite running back, and the New Orleans run defense is definitely elite. Yeah. So staying okay. away from running backs in that game is is definitely a good play. And just to circle back to Kanan's original question, yes, Cam Akers is the play this week. He is the bargain. If I had to pick uh, some other players as far as bargains, I really love Nick Chubb for his price too. I think that Kansas City-Cleveland game is going to be high scoring, and that's one of the holes of the Kansas City defense is their run game. 
They're not yeah. great against running backs. I think Nick Chubb probably has a big day, and he's only at 6,600. So I think that if you're looking just sort of a general strategy for your DFS lineup this week, I think you have cheap plays at running backs that, that are just super viable. So you can spend a little bit money, a little bit more money in those wide receiver areas, and you won't feel as bad about paying up for some of those wide receivers because you're saving a little bit with Nick Chubb and Cam yeah. Akers and that sort of that sort of All thing. All right, so to close this segment out, I'm going to give you an ultimatum, Tanner. So let's say most people are going to be playing Patrick Mahomes at quarterback or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers. But who would you rather play this week, Baker Mayfield or Tom Brady? 100% Baker Mayfield. And Why is that? Because I think that Kansas City-Cleveland could turn into a big high-scoring game. And I think that when it comes to playoff time, you generally have teams that are good at offense and they're good at defense. And these games really could go either way with game mm-hmm. script. It could be low scoring. It could be high scoring. The, these teams are designed to win in both situations. And I think that I look at Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and I just really can't get a solid read on what that game script will be. I'm saying it's going to be low scoring, but I'm not sure about that. Right. I feel super confident though, that Cleveland, Kansas city will be high scoring and Baker Mayfield is so cheap this week. I mean, 5,300 for a guy that in the last several games here, we got 22, 16, 10, dud against the Jets. I get that. But 21, 34, 33, and yeah. he's been having some really solid games. I think that if you want a little bit of a bargain on the quarterback, I mean, I am actually running Baker in some of my DFS lineups just because I think that it'll be high scoring. And I think if that happens, Baker has a chance to score some points. Yeah, and I was going to say, and Baker allows you to pay up for those, you know, guys that are like you can pay up for Tyreek Hill still but you're right. saving money and so you can don't have to play guys like Deontay Harris or Richard Higgins who you know have an opportunity to play well this week but you know there there's real risk with playing those players that they just dud out for the week um but yeah I think that's kind of the gist of what the slate looks like and uh so to close then I need I need some bones this weekend I need some cash I need something I want you, I'm going to list the position and I want you to say the must start player at each position for me. Cause I'm plugging it in and if I'm coming back next week and if I lose some money, there's going to be hit some heads rolling in the next episode. So um, oh. quarterback, I, I'm, are you sticking oh, with Baker man. as the number one play for you guys for quarterback? Or are you looking, who's the quarterback right now? It just depends how you want to construct your roster. If you want to save money at quarterback, Baker is the only play this week. If you want to go high end, I really don't think you can go wrong with Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or really Patrick Mahomes either. I mean, all three of those guys I think are solid plays. I'd lean towards, I'd say, Lamar Jackson just because I think with the rushing, especially in the snow, I think he could surprise people have a huge game and he's cheaper than Patrick Mahomes. All right. Now running back, I'm guessing you're going with Cam Akers from what I've pieced together from you both, but... Is that the right answer? Uh, yes, K-Makers, but I think my secondary sneaky play, I think, is Cream Hunt this week. All right, and then wide receiver, where am I going? I'm, I'm actually plugging these into a lineup, so you better <laughs> bet heads are rolling if I lose this money, boys. So if we're talking value, I think it's Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin for value plays there. 
If we're talking guys that you want to count on to just boom this week, Tyreek Hill is the play. He's real expensive, but he's cheaper than Devontae Adams. And like I said, that Cleveland-Kansas City game, is going to be a shootout. I also think Marquise Brown, I was going to say, I think Marquise, Marquise Brown is going to be a great play this week. He's been super solid down the stretch. Um, I know he's been a little bit touchdown dependent, but we know that he's an explosive, explosive athlete. And so I, I just... I like what I've seen from him in the past couple of weeks. So I, and he's still only 5,200, I believe, on uh, DraftKings. So I'm firing up Marquise Brown. All right, my least favorite, my least favorite tight end. What am I doing here? This is the one that always shoots me in the foot. I did last weekend's, and I went with my gut with Gronkowski, Ooh. and that was a big old dud. So what do we got? Um, I, I mean, there's the obvious Travis Kelsey because – it's honestly really hard not to play Travis Kelsey. It's just been ultra consistent this year and also is the highest scoring tight end like every single week. So it's tough to go against him. But my other play, like I mentioned earlier, was Austin Hooper. And I just don't know if I want to play anybody else outside of those two. I agree. I think that if you're going tight end, you either go with Kelsey and you try to hit some some of the diamonds in the rough in other positions or you try to get a real value play and you count on your points in other places. So you start a guy like Austin Hooper for just real dirt cheap, hope he scores 10 to 12 points, and get your money elsewhere in other also, positions. Before we move on, Dawson, Dawson Knox is an interesting one too. But that's a little more play. <laughs> I'm locking it in. I'll, I'll follow up with what the actual lineup I set is, and uh, we'll see if heads are rolling next week or not. <laughs> But, but uh, besides that, let's move on to uh, Dynasty football yeah, outside baby. of DFS. And what is the new hotness besides the rookies that are coming in? I know. Did you guys watch the championship game at all? Or did you tune out? Or what, what did you guys do with that game? Uh, I caught a little bit of it. I was kind of in and out. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. But I just I wasn't able to actually watch the game. I know I watched a little bit of some highlights. Obviously, Devonta Smith is ridiculous and um, a huge hot topic right now, um, especially for BMI Twitter. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to watch too much of it, so I don't really have much many takeaways from it, I suppose. Honestly, if you ask me if I watch the college football game, it's usually no. I might get some heat for that, but I look at college football and it's just, it just never seems like it's competitive in the playoffs. You're going to have a lot of blowouts and you're going to come down to probably Alabama or Clemson in any given year. So for me, I'm I'm never really a watcher of these games. I might get to be for that, but that's just me. No, no, that's, you know? that's A-OK. I think that's going to help us with our audience because you know what? I watch a decent amount of college football, but that also comes with my job. Right. But then you guys can also speak from the other perspective. So this should be an interesting yeah. look when we jump into these rookies. And today we're going to jump into a hot wide receiver debate, uh, not the one everyone is talking about with Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. We'll get there, Wait, but not Is it today. Devontae or Devonta? It's Devontae. Okay, shoot. <laughs> I, I get so mad at people that like spell names wrong and pronounce. Them I bet wrong, you so. spell it right though. You just said it wrong. Oh yeah, that's a little bit of yeah, difference. that's true. Yeah. So all right, correct. <laughs> well, we're gonna jump in today with a second tier of guys: Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman. And I just mm-hmm. I want to know what you guys think overall about them as I pull up their height and weight and everything, and we can jump into the dirty details. 
Well, I got the details right here. Of the oh, Titans jump win. in then. Get it. Get it. Rondale Moore is 5'9", 180. And Rashad Bateman is 6'2", uh, 210 pounds. And I guess my initial thoughts, uh, I don't like Like you said, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, I suppose, film grinder. And so I don't really watch too much of college football. So usually what I do is I just kind of look at, you know, oh, what did, what did they actually produce on the season? And like, maybe I'll go watch some highlights just to kind of see what type of player they are when they, you know, when they're on the field, do they look electric? But usually for me, it doesn't really matter what they look like as long as they're performing. And these are two interesting guys because um, I'll, I'll name out their stats because they both played three years, um, whether they were hurt or not. Uh, Rondell Moore had 178 receptions, 1,915 yards and 14 touchdowns versus Rashad Bateman had 147 receptions, 2,395 yards and 19 touchdowns. And so I'm based on just production and what I normally go with, you know, Rashad Bateman leads that, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to, to look at an overarching, like their total college uh, production and really say that that's an accurate representation of right. what these players do in the production side. I mean, you have Rashad Bateman who essentially didn't play much of this year. He played in five games and the Gophers were stagnant in some of those games. And then you have Rondell Moore who has been injured. Right. So it's it's I think you have to do it year by year if you're really looking at it. And essentially what it comes down to is that Bateman and Moore have both had two big seasons or they each had their mm-hmm. own big season and you have more with the 2018 and Bateman with the 2019 season. So I think if you're evaluating these players from an output standpoint, I think that's really what you're keying in on. Yeah. I mean, they, they both had, I'll, I'll let you go Canyon in a second here, but I think they, they both had solid rookie years, but I have to admit that Ronda Moore's rookie year was like truly impressive. Um, I mean, he went over 1200 yards as a rookie, which I mean, I can't imagine that you see that very often. Um, and when he but, says you know, rookie, he means freshman. But I'm back in the NFL. I'm oh, not even geez. that bad. Man. Throw me under the bus. I'm done. <laughs> I had to do it, man. I had to do it. Um, no, was, oh, just one thing. I, I think with the metrics, you said their height and their weights. But I think something interesting to look at, too, is their breakout ages. I know... Uh, Rondell Moore's breakout age yes. was 18 and three months. And then um, Rashad Bateman's was 17 and nine months. So, I mean, both these dudes are nutty when it comes to breakout age, yeah. which you love to see from a wide receiver. Uh, overall, I think we should talk about the strengths. What do you think? Uh, what do you think these players do well? Uh, I can lead it off, but when I'm looking at Rondell Moore, Opposite of Sam, I really do love watching the film. So I was grinding on the film pretty hard this week. And I mean, I think everybody knows through Twitter or anything else that Rondo Moore's number one thing is that he's very explosive. The man is just a walking highlight if he gets the opportunity. And he also is super versatile. And he's just got the real quick, quick twitch muscles, which tends to make up for some of his weaknesses which i can jump into i guess let's just tie them together so we can have that full prospect overview Mm -hmm. so if you do talk strengths you can talk weaknesses but one of the weaknesses for me when i was watching rondale was that it seems like his route running is really lackadaisical especially 
in his later years, his sophomore year and his junior year, he tended to round a lot of his routes. And that's not always a bad thing, but they were routes that he shouldn't necessarily be rounding every single time. And then I went and watched his best tape from 2018 versus Ohio State, and he looked like to a T like a great route runner. So I don't know if it was just he knows that he's so explosive that he got lazy with it or what, but that stood out to me. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So Rondell Moore is interesting to me because, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if this is, you know, BMI Twitter or whatever, but like a lot of people fade just smaller players coming into the NFL. And I think it's for a good reason sometimes because I just feel like they are much more dependent on their landing spot because I don't know, Tyreek Hill, for example, I don't, as much, as much as I think Tyreek Hill is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, it's hard for him to actually be Tyreek Hill unless he has a quarterback in a system that allows him to flourish in it, you know, versus where Rashad Bateman is built like your typical alpha wide receiver. And it doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't really matter what system he's in because, you know, he, he's a very good at um, going up and catching the ball at, you know, high points. He has amazing hands based on what i've seen and uh you know i'm sorry i moved on to rashad bateman all of a sudden but no you're good um, i mean we can kind of go back and forth but also i think i think what we can kind of do for the listeners too i'm going to go through and list the strengths and weaknesses that i found from my film watching for rondale moore and i just want you guys uh to let me know i'll go back to back so i'll go more and then i'll go bateman and i want you to tell me after hearing this what you would lean and why. I think okay, that might sure. help a little bit. So yeah. with Rondell Moore, I have strengths of he's very explosive. He's versatile. He can come out of the backfield and he can run in the slot, which is where more majority of his production was, but he also can play outside if he needs to. He's got real quick touch muscles. And like I said, it kind of makes up for the route running. He's great at finding space against the zone. And that helps, when, especially when he was running seams. I noticed that a lot. His running after the catch was probably his bread bread and butter when it came to college game because people just couldn't couldn't tackle the guy. It's probably his best trait, and it leaves room for the big plays. And then he runs routes great across the middle, but it was weird because it didn't seem like Purdue used him across the middle very much. Now, to his weaknesses, he seems to kind of give up or had less effort on the plays that he knows he isn't involved in. I anticipate once he's with an NFL coach, they won't let that slide, so that's probably easily correctable. His route running was lackadaisical. He rounds a lot of his routes. And the big thing that stood out for me was his decision-making, especially in the return game, seemed questionable. He had a bunch of turnovers from the couple games that I had watched. I had watched five games, uh, and the main ones that I focused on were Ohio State, Vanderbilt, Nevada, and this year's Minnesota game. And then the last thing was he just really seemed to struggle with the physicality of man defense. Uh, If he couldn't beat them with his speed right away, then it seemed like he was locked down on those plays. And then if we move over to Bateman, we have a guy that has great spatial awareness. He's probably not the fastest receiver. He doesn't have blazing speed, but he's got a real nice release off of the line of scrimmage. His route running is pretty good, especially at creating space on the back shoulder and comebacks and outs. And then he has really good hands overall and a decent blocking frame. But some of the 
negative though, seeing some of the weaknesses is that he has big size, but he's not really a contested catch type of player. Didn't seem like he was going to out bully the defender very much. I mean, he has the ability to, but it's not something that it seemed to like stand out in his game. He doesn't really make the first defender miss. So you're not going to see a ton of uh, run after catch unless it's a wide open play or something where he's got past the defender. And it seemed like he could be schemed out. I think that to start his rookie year, he might need to be with a real alpha on the team to see early success. But as he grows into the league, he might have the potential to be an alpha receiver. So, I mean, hearing those things, what stands out to you two? Go ahead, Tanner. Okay, so a couple things. I I was actually going to bring this up to you guys uh, because the whole Rashad Bateman being schemed out, I think that's that's something to definitely – to look at and talk about because essentially his whole time with Minnesota or most of his time with Minnesota, he mm-hmm. had Tyler Johnson there opposite of him. Right. So that is, that's huge. I mean, Tyler Johnson was a threat at the college level. He led the big 10 in receiving uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken. Is that I have right? No idea. I think I he led the big 10 in receiving yards. Anyways, he was up there, right? Close to the very top in receiving yards. Tyler Johnson, that is. And that's that's really helpful being a, a receiver across from that from that type of guy. And on top of that, Minnesota's main thing is the running game. So we have a lot of focus that's not on Rashad Bateman. Um, what I'll say though is that this year, in the limited games that he did play, he was still effective. I mean, he's averaging still 94 yards a game, which in college, that's 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 great production right. for a wide receiver. And he's still able to get himself open or catch the ball or do what do whatever needs to get done to get that production out. He still was productive this year. And again, this year, he, he, he still does have that focal point of the rushing um, offense of Minnesota. But I'll say just as a whole, Minnesota's offense is not nearly as prolific as it was a year before, or at least the consistency is not there. So I think that teams really were able to scheme against Rashad Bateman this year. And I still think yeah. that he found some success in those situations. So are you are you a Rashad Bateman greater than Rondell Moore? Or do you what what do you where are you at on that? That's man, I they're very close. I'll say I'll I'll say that to start. But I lean Rashad Bateman because when I make decisions about players, I usually look at does this is this type of player more likely to succeed at the yeah. NFL? I just look at okay, what are past players that are like this specific player? And with Rashad Bateman, it's he is the mold. I mean, most successful wide receivers in the NFL yeah. look like Rashad Bateman, and that's not the case for Rondell Moore. And I'm not saying that Rondell Moore can't be successful, but when we're playing a game of odds, right. I like to take the good odds, <laughs> especially. I am more of an analytics guy and I'm not so much of a tape guy. Um, so I really like to rely on, okay, what has been done by players like this player before? And with Rashad Bateman, it's promising. And with Rondell Moore, it's just a little bit less consistent. Right. Well, and I think it's like what Kanan said too, is one of the notes you had said was that it seemed that he struggled with um, press coverage and you know, there's way frank, more press coverage in the NFL, right? Way well, yeah, more. exactly. And when you move to the NFL, the obvious is that 
all the players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. You know, like Rondell Moore is going to have to rely on his speed to get around these players. Mm-hmm. And what's something I noted is, noted is that I think it's been really interesting to see what his combine metrics come out to be because um, something that I did notice a little bit, like I said, I don't watch a ton of film, but when I was, you know, when I watched a little bit, he did seem to lack some top end speed, which I thought was kind of concerning. So like he's really good in the short areas. And I don't know if you would agree with this Kanan, but I just think his common metrics are going to be very, are going to determine, I think his, you know, future success, at least for, for, from us, it's going to be easier to predict what's going to happen. For sure. I mean, Overall, I think, and I don't know if this helps, and we'll see how he ends up officially timing. But his four three or his forty time was a four three three the last time that they had a documented record of it. So he is pretty wow. quick overall with the top end speed. It's not the record breaking speed of like John Ross, but it's still really damn fast. No, so right. that's uh, four three three is I, more I just, than fast enough, right? Right. Well, and I, I it was just one of those things that it seemed like you know in some bigger runs that it, it was it looked like cornerbacks and dbs are catching up to him which was just a strange because he looked so fast you know maybe maybe it's just his original explosive explosiveness is just out of this world that it kind of cuts off a bunch of time for but. sure i mean i think when i'm looking at these two players it's kind of about how you play fantasy football too with bateman i see right. more of a safer option low risk but maybe his ceiling isn't as great if both of them hit their ceilings he's probably not as good as what Rondale could give you if he turned out to his ceiling. Whereas Rondale, he's a little more risky. I mean, he has the big playability. He's super explosive, and we've seen that in college. And if it carries over, that can be dangerous. But if it doesn't, who knows what this player turns into. So It's like, is Rondale more going to be Percy Harvin, like a healthy Percy Harvin at that? Or is it going to be Tavon Austin? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's that's not a bad idea, especially for the role that they seem to play speaking of which i mean like i want to jump into comps i don't know if you guys have have personal comps that you think of these players but that's the one thing i'm trying to work on this offseason is trying to create a realistic comp so even if you don't have them i'll present you with mine and get your guys' thoughts let's hear it yeah i don't really have i don't really have many comps like i said i think you know i i know a lot of people have compared rondell Moore to percy harvin but then I was like, you know, my thought was like, well, why? What's to say he's not just going to be Tavon Austin? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you go ahead if you want. I don't really have many comps either for for players in general. Um, mostly because I think that comps are just something that are fun to do. But right. If you're right. if you're trying to decide, should I draft this player in my dynasty rookie uh, draft? <laughs> you shouldn't be looking at comps. You should be looking at everything else besides comps. They're just something that's fun to do. Oh, 100%. And that's my big thing too, is like most of the stuff you see out there in articles, it's like, oh, this guy's going to be this Hall of Famer or this guy's going to be this superstar. And it's just like, so what I was trying to do was actually look at both their height and their weight, their breakout age, what their speed was looking like, as well as what their style of gameplay was and who that maybe kind of compares to in the NFL that we've seen recently or for some cases I've done older players. But so what I've got for these two guys is for Rondale Moore, I've seen people out there, oh, he's Steve Smith and he's Percy Harvin. And I'm like, let's let's calm it down a little bit. 
So my comp for him is a guy that's one inch taller than him. He's within nine pounds of the same weight. They both broke out at 18 and they both run a 4-3-3. And the player is Brandon Cooks. I think that they both, they're really good in the slot. They're both quicker players. They need kind of that breakout type of play. They're not going to always be consistent. And I think that we see that with Brandon Cooks as well. So I think that that's a more realistic, I'm not saying Rondo Moore is Brandon Cooks, but I think that that's, it's a expectation that can maybe settle down between the hype and the fear. You know what I mean? For Rashad Bateman, Michael Crabtree with a ceiling of kind of like Allen Robinson, but Michael Crabtree, 6'2", 220 pounds. They both broke out around 18 and so it was just like, and they both have that kind of four or five speed and they're really good at spatial awareness and route running is good. They're not going to go jump over somebody for a ball, but they're good at reading the field and finding the openings. And so those were the kind of the two, the two comps that I was seeing from these two players. Yeah. I think those are some solid comps. I, I'm trying to remember when Brandon Cooks came in the league, what, you know, I, I don't think I was super indulged in fantasy football at that point, but no, I think I remember there being some hype around Brandon Cooks, but like you said, I think there's just people I would love to see Rondale Moore become Brandon Cooks, but you know, there's it's pretty hard to do what he's done. Well, especially Brandon Cooks, right. just because he's he's been, he's doing been it so since impressive. Day one. Yeah, he's been incre- incredible through his career. Um, but with that, yeah, I think those are some pretty good. With thoughts. that, I don't think we think of Brandon Cooks as like because you know from all the hype I'm hearing right now, it just it feels like people want to deem this guy as a guy who's going to score. 15 to 20 points every fantasy game. And that's not something I'm going to expect. I think he'll have his moments where he has big games where maybe he'll have a 25, 30 point game, but then he might get a bunch of tens. You know what I mean? Like it's just or less. You're right. And, and I think that that's, that's a really good point to bring up because we have been very spoiled with rookies last year, the year before that. And we, we might be again this year too, but I just, want to remind people that don't get used to this, especially with wide receivers. It is not normal that a, wo- a rookie wide receiver Wookie. is going to be a Wookie. <laughs> Yeah, Wookiees, they won't be contributors either. But rookie wide receivers, they likely will not be a huge contributor to your dynasty team if you are a contender. So don't get used to it. Don't count on Rashad Bateman winning you a football, a fantasy football championship this year. It takes some time usually. Uh, where do you guys think, who do you think will be drafted first in the actual NFL draft? I mean, the way that things are looking across like, you know, mocks and draft boards and things like that, it looks like Rondale's starting to slip a bit into the more like solid second round. Whereas I've still seen Bateman going kind of near the back end of the first, early second. So I do think Bateman's going to come off first. I think it's Bateman See, as well. I think Rondell Moore is going to be taken first just because, you know, I think Henry Ruggs is an easy example. You know, it's probably kind of a cop out, but like, I just feel like there's so many NFL teams that value the unique skill set that Rondell Moore has. Whereas, like you said, like Rashad Bateman kind of, you know, there's a lot of players that kind of look like him and they usually end up being the most successful, in my opinion. But people like speed. And Rondell Moore definitely has speed. Nah, man. Uh, Jalen Jalen Waddle is the new Henry Ruggs. He might be better than Henry Ruggs, but Alabama boys, man. Oh yeah, Alabama boys. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, I I was just trying to like. I'm not saying Rondell Moore is going to go one. I just, 
I think when you have two players close, I would just think that you know teams might lean Rondell more. But you never know, though. So you heard it right. here, folks. Uh, Sam said Rondell Moore is going to be the first receiver off of the board, and Henry Ruggs. That's what Sam said. I don't think <laughs> that it should be the case. Though. I would take Rashad oh, Bateman both in the NFL draft and in fantasy football drafts, and I don't really care about landing spot. I just I'm a I'm firmly Bateman greater than Rondell Moore. So I lean Bateman for uh, this topic before we move on to a little bit of fun before we close the show. And Tanner, I think you said you also lean Bateman as well. Mm-hmm. All yep, right. Lean so Bateman. We're three for three on Bateman over Moore. Uh, some people might really hate that, but you know what? Moving on. <laughs> so what I want to do with you guys to close the show, have a little bit of fun is... We're going to play a little game. We can do a little bit of both, or we can focus on one. But keep trade cut, or would you rather? Let's do both. A little bit of both. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's just do both. All right, well, which one do you want to start with? Let's do keep trade cut, and then would you rather? All right, first one. And I need your, your spur-of-the-moment gut answers. We can't think too yeah. long. All right. Rapid fire. Keep trade cut. Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, Stefan Diggs, Dynasty. Go. Uh, I will keep, um, I'll keep, uh, CD Lamb, trade Calvin Ridley, and cut Stefan Diggs as much as that pains me. Yeah, I'm going to keep CD Lamb. I'm going to trade Stefan Diggs just because I think his value is higher than Calvin Ridley. Could be wrong. And then I would cut, uh, Calvin Ridley. I think you're both wrong, 100%, because... Get out of here. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna keep CD Lamb. You're gonna trade Diggs and you're gonna cut Calvin Ridley. Well that's what I thought. Uh, no, that's what that's I said what first. I you just you just heard it here first, folks. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Uh, all right, next one, next one. Tight end. A little tight end fun for you. Love tight end. Robert Tanya. I'm a big tight end guy. You're a big tight end guy, huh? No, I take that back. I did not say that. Uh, so, Robert Tanyan, Irv Smith, or Cole Komet? Dynasty. Okay, so. How could you do this to first me? First one, first one, you got to trade Tanyan. Um, and then I say that you keep Irv Smith, but I don't know. Of course, the Vikings fan says keep I, Irv Smith. I mean, you know what? what I, I, actually, I, I take it back. Cut Irv Smith. There's just, yeah, I don't know what the Vikings are doing with, with their passing game. So let's say cut Irv Smith. Ugh, this is horrible. And I hate that you're doing this to me. Man, the era of um, breakout tight ends. I had to throw it out there for you. Yeah, man. So. I think it's tough because I think Robert, and it's Robert Tunyon, right? Yeah, you're right. It's like Funyon, Mr. Funyon. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Robert Funyon. <laughs> uh, I think I would trade Robert Funyon because I think he has the most value. But I think there are people that view Irv Smith all, like in a similar tier, if that makes sense. So it's one of those two, and then I'm going to keep Cole Komet. Well, you got to pick one. You can't just say one of those two. <sighs> well, I'm, I'm going to trade Robert Tunyon. I'm gonna commit Cole Komet. Get it? No. no. Oh God. And so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Irv Smith the boot. My, oh, dude, you do that again, and I'm gonna mute you. I have the power to mute you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to keep Cole Komet. I think he has the highest upside of the three. I'm going yeah. to trade Tanyan, like Funyan, because I think yep. that his top 10 season, I mean, he, I think he was TA3, so I think you can get yeah, some good value for him. I don't know how he did that. I saw them touchdowns, man, but he's not a not a yeah. Pro Bowl player. So Evan Ingram, though, Pro Bowl player. What a stud, you no, know what I mean? Like, that is disgusting. <laughs> get that out of here. And then I'll cut Herb Smith. All right, last keep trade cut, and then we're moving to Would You Rathers and closing this bad boy off. So, this one should be fun. Uh, keep trade cut, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Mm, uh, I'll go first. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep Christian McCaffrey. I'm gonna sell. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna sell Dalvin Cook, and I'll cut Alvin Kamara. Yeah, same for me. It's tough though, just because. You know, like, 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 just it's all based on how people view players, and I think most people see Dalvin Cook as a greater than Alvin Kamara at this right, point, for sure. And I just want Chris McCaffrey because the dude is still unbelievable, even though he was hurt a lot this year. Like, he still averaged thirty fantasy points per game, which is just the, unbelievable. The dude, <laughs> the dude is a running back in real football, but he's actually a quarterback in fantasy. So there <laughs> I you love go. That. I love that. All right, uh, I'm going to do the same thing. That was, I guess, easier than I thought it was going to be. But let's move on to Would You Rather. I got three of them for you, and then we're going to call it a night. So these are just fun. They're not necessarily based on fantasy football. Would you rather have to watch football on Sunday in complete silence, meaning both you can't make a noise and the volume has to be off, or stand for the entire game watching TV. You're not at the game. You're just in your house watching. Oh, man. Silence for sure. Wait, Although so I'm, I... I'm nervous that I'd like make a noise and then, I don't know, the jig is up. I don't know. I don't know. What happens if I make a noise? Uh, you can't Let's watch see, football for get... the rest of the year. Oh, God. Boom. Wait, so oh, if I'm standing, man. do I get to move or do I have to stand in one place? One place. You can't like walk around there or anything. You just okay, have to stand it's, still. It's got to be silence then. It's got to be. I'll stand. <laughs> then I, then I can still express myself. Like, yeah! Yeah, I you think know, I would right. have to stand because I feel like there would just something, like either a really great play or a really poor play would make me break and I'd just be. Uh, so I'd definitely right. be over. All right, next one. Would you rather be guaranteed to win your fantasy league five years in a row or watch your favorite team win a Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Easy. Man, that was way Super too Bowl. easy for you. Yeah. Kanan, you got to know Kanan. who you're talking to, man. Kanan, we are Vikings fans, okay? Like, <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> that is all I ever want in football. Y'all did that in unison. It was like <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I would love fantasy football, but... I mean, I play fantasy football because I love football. And so I think, and I always put football first. All right. My answer is uh, dependent because I want to answer this question in a month. Because if in a month the Packers win the Super Bowl, then I'm picking the five years because right. that'll be recent enough for me. But if they don't win, then I'll probably take the Super Bowl. All right. So would you rather have... Uh, girly prime girly in his prime or maybe we'll say like Barry Sanders Walter Payton type running back Adrian Peterson for you Vikings fans all right Adrian Peterson in his prime 
to start your team this year, or a Randy Moss. I guess you have Justin Jefferson now. Maybe he'll be that for you. But a wide receiver in their prime to start your your team. Which one would you rather have? You, Not fantasy, strictly to- NFL. Okay. I think I'd go wide receiver just because running backs are replaceable, it seems to me, at least. And I think that we're at a point now where, yeah, running backs are just replaceable and passing game is king, so I'll take the wide receiver. Yeah, I think I would agree. I definitely would go wide receiver. And although, like like you said, Tanner, there's obviously a debate as to like how much value a running back brings to a team. Um, and I do think it's relatively replaceable, although like you definitely see good, you know, the best running backs having a significant impact still. Um, but, right. you know, having, having a player like Randy Moss, especially in today's NFL, is just, you know, it would just be... Right, have such a larger advantage for you, so for sure. And, and the kicker is this: what happens when the rookie deal is up? You Wait, can you afford you want to a pay... kicker over Randy Moss. Yeah, he said it. He said it. Oh, kicker. He wants Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> Give me Blankenship. No, the the, the the thing is this though: is if you want to build a franchise around this guy, you're gonna have to pay that running back sixteen million a year. And I think that we've seen teams get in more trouble paying the running backs a lot as opposed to paying the wide receivers a lot. Yeah. And that's because you can get deals at the running back position. You can pay a lot less for a good running back. And that's the that's Absolutely. the kicker for me. But the stipulation was that you know you're getting like a Walter Payton, Barry Sanders type running back. So the difference in caliber is pretty mm. huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I don't... Mean, I, 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 I think we know. one thing we do know it like in terms of analytics because I know that Tanner and I lean towards that type of football nerds. analyzation more. Yeah, what a bunch of nerds. <laughs> um, but we know that like passing plays in general are just more efficient for offenses, and so like I don't know. It just I think I would rather have Kelvin Johnson, you know, over Walter Payton. I don't know. That's just me. Hey, that's that was the name of the game. I'm gonna take if that's the actual option for me, I'll take Calvin Johnson because that dude was a monster. So yeah, I'll take the receiver for now too. <laughs> I played that <laughs> devil's advocate the whole time just to say, oh yeah, give me the receiver. Yeah, exactly. All right, all right so we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, this is the fantasy player option podcast, FPL. Signing off. Give us a follow on social media and peace out. Have a good weekend. See ya.